0: Come on out now, Ernest. We know you're in there. Now we can do this the hard way or we can do this the easy way. Now we're gonna give you till tomorrow evening and you need to be out the county. All oh, you Negroes. We want all the land. We're tired of seeing you guys here. Taking up all the work. Working for less. Now. Sunset. Tomorrow evening. We'll be back. If you ain't gone. We're going to drag you out. Flog you. And then string you up by that tree. What you just heard was a threat that many black families and farmers would have heard in the late 1800s and early 1900s by a violent and lawless group called Whitecaps. They were the vigilante inheritors to codes established by the clan of Reconstruction. Today, we're continuing the ongoing series on the history of why So few African-Americans own land. White capping was a widespread practice of vigilante justice that started in Indiana. The name comes from the white hoods and coverings the bandits would wear on their night rides. The movement consisted mostly of poor white farmers and laborers with high-ranking elected officials eventually joining the group. Their vigilante traditions were established by runaway slave patrols and anti-horse thief committees. Whitecaps favored whipping as their preferred technique of punishment. They targeted abusive husbands, petty thieves, drunks, and indecent women. Usually this was poor whites of the rural American countryside. In post-slavery America, A few trends coincided that put poor white rural farmers at disadvantages, both perceived and real. With slavery abolished, black workers competed in the market with whites for jobs. A depressed agricultural economy put farmers into debt, sometimes forcing them to foreclose on their farms and land. This was in part to the construction of the railroads, undermining the economic independence of rural communities. Historian William F. Holmes noted that white capping appears to have belonged to a pattern of collective violence in the South that was conservative and dedicated to maintaining traditional community values. In the minds of most white farmers, they felt the need to reassert the old ways and do so with violence and terrorism, if necessary. In Indiana, white capping took on more of a traditional mode of policing morals and behavior. In Georgia, whitecaps might be found flogging tattletales who reported on a moonshiner's untaxed still. Yet, there was a large significant racial element guiding this movement, dedicated to asserting and upholding the status quo of the country. Like the clan of Reconstruction, to which some whitecaps had once belonged, Whitecaps were not keen on keeping records or making public announcements, but a manifesto published by Whitecaps based in Lawrence, Mississippi, provides a rare glimpse into their perspective. It was conscious of the rule white workers full down the ladder of wealth and status and preoccupied with casting enemies by way of racism and xenophobia. Here is a portion of the manifesto. Our homes are covered with mortgages, and our lands are fast concentrating in the hands of syndicates, Wall Street, and European gold bugs. The accursed Jews and others own two-thirds of our land. They control and half-bind the Negro laborers who partly subsist by thefts from the white farmers, thereby controlling prices of the southern produce. We therefore pray the white farmers come together and gain control of the Negro labor, which is by right ours that we may tend the soil under white supremacy and under no circumstances will the Negro be allowed to cultivate a Jew or syndicate's land. And with that, that's the end of the podcast. You can always check out my family history my ancestor Scottish slave owners and news accounts at projectmcrae.com Thanks for listening and I hope you have a great week.